It's time to shed light on the over 30 million souls who enter a nightly battle with obstructive sleep apnea. Join award-winning board-certified otolaryngologist Dr. Mother Kandula and best-selling author Jason Tierney in Out of Breath, a special six-part podcast series that will set the record straight on the topic of sleep medicine and dentistry. Let's dive in. Mother. Jason. How are your chakras? They've uh, been stroked. Appropriately, yes. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, good. That puts us in a a good place to have a a conversation then. Yes, indeed. Last time we spoke, you talked to me about working with dentists and what you referred to as, as a handoff and a fumble, right? Yep. So what I'd like to start with today is when you would hand off to a dentist and they took the ball and ran with it. What did they do differently? What did they do right that allowed them to, to have that relationship with you? I think um, really just um, taking care of our mutual patient. I mean, it sounds very basic, but if I'm gonna send, so for the patients that we're sending to um, my dental sleep colleagues, for oral appliance therapy, these are patients whose noses are working, you know, sleep studies. It's it, I mean, as much as I just, as I said in, in maybe, I think last episode, I'm not gonna tell somebody what to do. I'm not gonna tell a, a, a dental sleep colleague what to do, but it's pretty much I'm serving somebody up on a platter here to take care of them. Um, so it's like, we're at the one yard line, here's the ball, it's just, let's get it in the end zone kind of a thing. So it, to me, it's relatively uh, straightforward meaning they, they obviously need to do their evaluation for the patient, make sure that the information that they're getting is um, whatever, accurate and consistent, and then um, get them into an appropriate appliance and titrate that and um, get them to a successful endpoint. And in an ideal world, then they'd be coming back for a, um, a sleep study to validate that. So to me, like that's, the, that's success. And then part of that success is also um, helping the patient or uh, guiding the patient through the insurance process. So if it's authorization, a lot of times that would come back to us to be able to provide additional information if necessary. Um, creating a positive experience for the patient, both from a service standpoint as well as a medical standpoint. And on that note, and, and when it was done well, uh, well, let me say, there's a certain standard that I have in my clinics and in my practices that is... Um, a standard standard of service that isn't um, that doesn't come down to the level of what you typically expect in medicine and like going to the doctor's office, but rises more to the level of what you would expect in a, a true service industry like a hotel or a restaurant. So you know there there's going to be a, a, it's unlikely that um, you know and it was typically the, the level of service was didn't need to match the level of service that we had or had and have at Advent, but needed to be. Um, not a negative experience for our patients, and 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 that, and we were able to do that. I mean, I guess you know, with the the, the dental sleep colleagues that we were working with, um, we were able to do that for the most part. I think we definitely uh, consistently ran into issues with the the, the just the uh, the sleep study aspect, the very last part of things, the follow up, the follow up. Which in, in what's so it's such a big deal about that because that test is. It's not really, it's not the icing on the cake, but it's the thing that shows the patient, shows the world where we are. And so when we take that away, when that doesn't exist, um, 
we might feel great about what we do, but it's a problem. Um, and it's basically an unnecessary and unforced error, um, if that makes sense. Why didn't that test happen? Likely, I mean, the, the, the most likely reason is that the administrative logistical aspects of those offices, it was not a priority. Because something that I've seen, I, I don't know a dental sleep professional that wouldn't insist on a follow-up study. Okay. But to your point earlier that you can't make anyone do anything. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes what I've seen or what I've heard is the dentist practice reaches out to the patient, schedules them to pick up a follow-up test or send them out a follow-up test, and the patient is not responsive to the those that to that outreach sure and the reason for that usually is because you know the patient is a human being and has a busy life but more important they're usually feeling better they're sleeping better the the device is having the effect that it's the, the positive effect it was supposed to have so i don't want to go get this tested tell right. me this thing is working i know it's working you know subjectively i know it's working so who's 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 responsible for addressing that um no I, and I, I appreciate that and that is the I agree that that's the most likely explanation I mean I think there are certain instances where that just maybe the recommendation wasn't made but then the more likely thing and we have this you know, on our side of the equation when we you know get somebody through a successful procedure and we want some sort of follow-up test and you know they're doing well they don't want to bother with it understood sure. um so i mean i think that's there too now that wasn't that's just a i would say in in my experience in our experience in working with dental sleep medicine that's just a note of that's suboptimal i'm not pointing fingers necessarily i'm just sort of saying hey that's not sub, that's suboptimal but almost i mean i, I guess um even with that fact, generally speaking, things went well. So I, I don't think, I mean, I'm just trying to point out, you ask sort of the positives and negative. I'm trying to give you some negative and I'd say, well, there's that one, um, you know, but other than that, I think generally, you know, pretty good, honestly. Um, so I don't, and I don't, I mean, like I said, I have, I have, a, very, I have a very positive um, experience and impression of dental sleep medicine so i it's it's and that's just born through my um my experience and the experience of my patients more importantly mm -hmm. so it's good it's good so do you currently refer out to uh dentists and all 17 from all 17 of your clinics we do at times i mean we did uh ended up we we have brought it in house and we've been doing that well we initially started doing that we had a dentist on site in Milwaukee for years, probably five years. And so um, it, that arrangement was basically, she was her own entity, uh, rented space. Um, and, um, you know, for those those in, those patients that uh, oral pines therapy was indicated, we would send her, send them her way. So, and that, that actually so worked out. Just to be clear, mm -hmm. so she was in your office, yeah. se separate entity, but in your office in, in Milwaukee, you'd Correct. refer patients over to her in the same building. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So yeah. And that, like I said, it worked well, you know, when we were only in Milwaukee, which was actually a long time, really. I mean, we just started expanding outside of Milwaukee in 20, 
2019, 2019, something like that, regardless. So for the long, the longest part of my existence, Advent was only in Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that um, era, and even you know beyond when we started expanding in other states, it was still kind of that dentist on site. And um, again, I think th- things generally worked well. Um, even there, you know, we still uh, weren't able to achieve the level of follow-up uh, sleep studies that um, we wanted. And when I say that, I mean it was like non-existent. Um, it wasn't. It was closer to zero than a hundred percent, kind of a thing. Even with a even, dent- even though you could walk right down the hall and say. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think, and and that to me is a failure of process. Um, and, and that means uh, that's a, to me, that's a reverse handoff. And so if a handoff is difficult, the reverse, you know, it's sort of the flea flicker, the reverse handoff (laughs) is like, I'm going to hand it to you. Then you're going to hand it back. And then, you know, that, that, that all sounds good and it can work, but you better have it really dialed in. And I think the reality in that situation is even though she was on site, um, her staff is different than my staff. And, and, and the handoffs are generally not doctor to doctor, they're staff to staff. Sure. And, you know, staff has 10,000 priorities and uh, handing the, or doing the flea flicker, you know, like there's like 10,000 priorities and like this little flea flicker thing that you want me to do, like that's not one of them right now. And I understand that. So regardless though, I mean, that, that was sort of, um, that served us really well when we were in Milwaukee, honestly. And then the problem started when we expanded outside of Milwaukee. And so, you know, what's so good about Milwaukee, lots of things as you found out since you've been here, right? It's the best city in in the world, Um, nothing like it. So other than being phenomenal as a uh, a city and a uh, a place, uh, in addition, I know, you know, I know the medical landscape in Milwaukee. I know, you know, I, I, I know, I personally know you know, who's good, who's bad, who's going to work well, you know, so forth and so on. So that's very comfortable. It's nice. It's comfortable. And we had a really nice arrangement. That's all great. Um, you know, comfort is the enemy of growth. And so as we grew, that's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for us. And then as we go into Chicago and we enter other markets, we went up into the Fox Valley and, uh, other, other areas. I don't, know Chicago. I don't know the people in Chicago. I don't know the dental sleep community in Chicago. I don't know the Fox Valley. I don't know that community. Um, and you know, what, what we ended up finding was that, um, it is really difficult to find a quality, um, dental sleep medicine colleague in any city. I'll just say period, end of sentence. And then to try to find them now in multiple cities, um, and then to try to make sure that we can all work together and then to teach them, you know, sort of how we work together. And it's, um, it's a very arduous process. What steps did you take in that process to, to, in an attempt to identify someone in each of those markets? I mean, that's, we, we, did you reach out to the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine? What did you do? Yeah. I mean, that's where we would, we would look there or start there and, um, find or attempt to find, um, dental sleep medicine practitioners in the, in the places we were. And then, you know, we would refer, send them patients and you know, so forth and so on. The challenge there is uh, some were better than others and some were atrocious. Um, now, again, we're no longer, you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. We're not in Milwaukee anymore. So for me and for us to try to figure out what to do in the Fox Valley as a specific example or Chicago with um, a referral relationship that's just not, going well. And when I say that, let me just go a little bit of a digression uh, here, is um, the 
dental sleep medicine community um, is happy to take Advents referrals and my referrals and Advents referrals, but the reverse um, direction either didn't happen at all uh, or let's just say it didn't happen at all. And, and I, I'd say, you know, so I can, you know, if, if the ask to me is to reach out to whomever um, and there is no re reciprocity, it's kind of, I don't know what you want to call it. It's a bit insulting. Knowing what we all know, we've talked about this is like how many patients who are getting set up into oral appliance therapy have noses that need some help? It's the majority. And so I think that that was that's a small part of it, but the other, but the bigger part of it is we need to have confidence when we're sending somebody, a patient, to a colleague. And uh, we need to be make make sure that uh, we're getting those patients treated well. And when that doesn't happen, it reflects poorly on us. We we are the referrer, and when we send somebody, we send a patient to a colleague and that doesn't treat them well, either you know, they doesn't treat their wallet well, doesn't treat them as a, a human being well, or doesn't treat their you know medical issue well. It reflects poorly not on that practice necessarily. It reflects poorly on Advent, and um, you know as we grow and as we grew that that's. That's a problem. And there's, it's a problem for which there is no solution. There is no off-the-shelf solution for, for me or for us to go and invent uh, dental sleep um, practice in uh, the Fox Valley. Like, I'm busy enough with my day job, and we got patients to treat. So, you know, that's why we brought it in-house eventually. So what, what, is that, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think when we, it, it's, it's an evolution, and I'm not sure where we are in that evolution. So when we first brought it in-house, it was, well, let me go this way. Our first attempt at bringing it in-house was, was basically the, the dentist um, that we had been working with, trying to work with that individual to figure out, is there a way to do this at all of our you know locations, or at least in all of our markets? It doesn't have to be in all 17 clinics, but we need to be we had, need to have access in the markets that we were in. And I spent, like I, I personally spent, I'll call it five years, trying to work on this project, um, which got nowhere. Um, and it got nowhere, not because of the, an inability, like a, um, it got nowhere because the ask to this individual is something that this individual doesn't know how to do. Like, and basically, if I ask you the question, how many how many dental sleep practitioners would be able to um, know what needs to be done to staff? Um, you know, what, what, we would just use the clinic uh, part of things. So I, hey, I have seventeen clinics in four states. I need to make sure we have consistent um, access to dental sleep practice or medicine in all of those clinics. Uh, can you do that for me? Zero. I mean, is that true? More than zero, but less than 10. Okay. Well, I didn't, it, it, basically the person that I was working with wasn't in that small group. Sure. And it's just not what that, what they did. And I understand that. I have nothing again. I mean, it's like, I, it, it, you, you ask me to do the ballet dance. I, I don't do ballet. So you ask a, a dental sleep practitioner to, to do scale. Yeah. They don't do scale. Like right. that's not what they do. So I, anyway, long story short. So that was the first attempt and it was, um, draining. Let me just tell you that <laughs> because it was the, to me, that was the, the easy, the easiest pathway forward 
to achieve the results that we needed to achieve for our patients was to figure out a way. How, how can we work, How can we take this thing we're doing in Milwaukee and how can we just do it everywhere? And um, all roads were closed that way. And I believe me, I've tried, you know, every which way to make that happen. So when that didn't happen, um, you know, basically, go ahead. What do you mean you tried every which way? Tried every which way to find a a dental sleep medicine practitioner who was willing to work with me and us to provide access to oral appliance therapy in all of our clinics. You know, multiple conversations with multiple individuals uh, and all pathways were closed. That's my reality. You know, it's the, it's the truth. And um, where does that leave me and where does that leave us? It leaves us with a lot of patients who need this service offering and a complete inability to offer this service offering without us having to figure out on our own which is what we've ended up doing. So, you know, kind of get back on that. that yeah, so what, that, what does that look that, like? That figure, train of thought. I mean, What did it, you figure out? Well, basically it was, and I think this, this around this time is when I think we first um, started uh, um, chatting and communicating. And it was my, you know, it, it definitively was because it was basically me at this point now understanding that, and, and this is when I first started talking with you was, um, overlaps with that era. So we're still trying to figure it out, but then I'm, I'm sort of starting to understand that I need to understand this world better because it, 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 you know, whether we, if we are working with these individuals to get this thing in all our clinics or we, or we figure it out a different way, we got to figure this out. Basically, I guess another way to say that is, uh, I know how to do scale with what we do. If the dental sleep medicine community does not need know how to do scale, I need I need to understand that community better so I can figure out how to bring scale to the community. Sure. Um, and and that's kind of you know that's been the journey that we've been on. And so the, our, our initial um, you know our initial attempts at that were to be were to have a dentist on site, but instead of a separate entity, um, you know, within the advent umbrella. Um, and, um, you know, and that worked okay. I mean, I guess I'd say, you know, we, we kind of, it worked okay. It just, um, that was, you know, that, that too was in Milwaukee. It was just, it was basically one site. Hey, can we get this thing off the ground? Um, and we found a dentist who was able to get it off the ground, but then, you know, like I think a lot of dentists, um, you know, the situation they get into is he needed to be in his, his clinic more than, you know, there's sort of a, a fork in the road between, can I come staff your clinic or do I, I, I need more time. In, so he was there a day a week or he was something there, like Exactly. That. A day a week. And, uh, and that worked okay. When I, the reason I say okay is that it was very short lived and there still wasn't a pathway for it. So even in that pathway, the, uh, the, 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 the need to, figure out the scale part was still on us. You know what I mean? It's still on me and it's still on us to still figure this out. And so long story short, and, and as we were setting that up, we were working, we had a, a different dentist who was consulting with us to get our program, you know, sort of dialed in and we were working with industry partners as well. So all of that stuff was sort of happening simultaneously. And so, um, it was probably, I don't even know, it was a few months where this, this dentist is on site up and running and then he bails. So now, you know, we sort of have a program that's up off the ground, but we don't have a dentist that's there. And, you know, over, you know, overlapping all these areas is me and us trying to figure out 
in all the various markets we're in, like our initial approach is we're going to find a dentist to be able to come into on site in all of the places we are. And uh, that was a nightmare. It didn't happen. I mean, meaning it was, uh, I mean, I guess I just simply go back to, it's easy to talk and it's easy to say, oh, it should be done a different way. It's different to act. And I'm telling you, it was impossible to find dentists who were willing to come on site to deliver the services that we are offering. And, um, you know, it's still an option that I'm open to to this day. And it's still something, like I said, our, our program is an evolution. We still have dentists that uh, work with us in a consulting, um, you know, aspect, and they're still kind of uh, overseeing and, and sort of working with our program. Um, and, there is no door that's closed towards the the concept having of having dentists on site, but our current state is sort of um, is doing it on our own. Let me just sort of make it very simple: is is we have our physicians and, and uh, physician assistants that are um, oh, that are are moving our patients through their through the program. We've got a program that's dialed in that. As part of that program, there's a dental evaluation, meaning that we don't have, while we don't have a dentist on site today, um, you know, every single patient that we're putting into an oral appliance has a dentist that's, that, 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 that that patient is under the care of. And so um, for those patients for whom... Just so that I'm clear, that dentist is not affiliated with Advent in any way? Correct. Okay. They have a, they have, uh, they have a, a general dentist. They have their dentist. own general dentist Correct. that they go to to get their... Yeah. Teeth clean. Their teeth clean and evaluated. And if there's a question, we will have that patient uh, get a, uh, you know, whatever, a, a sign off from that dentist that, you know, no, everything's fine. So if there's a question about a specific tooth or, you know, so forth and so on, then that's how we uh, double confirm that. Now, if there's a patient that's, um, how do you say this, that is challenging in any particular way from a dental standpoint, then we will refer that patient to a dental sleep medicine colleague in the community that we're, you know, that, that wherever, whatever office, you know, we're in, assuming that they exist, if that makes sense. So, you know, even in the, even with our program up off the ground where we're delivering appliances in-house, we are sending out uh, referrals for plenty of patients for whatever reason, you know, there's some insurances that require a dentist to be part, like physically uh, a part of that delivery and so forth and so on. And so in those instances, you know, we'll, we'll send those patients out, um, to dental sleep medicine colleagues. Okay. When you're coordinating with the patient's general dentist, does that happen every time? Uh, it happened any, every time, how do you say this? Every patient has a dentist that they're under the care of. If there's a question or concern about uh, somebody's dentition, then that will happen. So I, I guess to answer your question specifically, not every time, but when necessary. Otherwise, you know, from an evaluation standpoint, um, my medical staff is evaluating the patient, um, including their dental health. Okay, and how are they able to determine tooth mobility or periodontal disease or any of these other things that might be contraindications for a device delivery? Just in the same way a, a, a dentist would. So they're, they're doing uh, uh, probes and determining what pockets they have, the pocket depth and, and things like that? I, I don't know that they're going to that extent of things, but okay. they are evaluating somebody's teeth uh, and dentition for whether it's appropriate to put them in a medical device. Okay. So, yeah. And I think that, that, I mean, let me just sort of pause there and, and let, let's riff on that for a second. 
Um, and oral appliance, or let me just sort of start with this statement. Oral appliance therapy is a medical treatment. True or false? Keep going. True or false? Just keep going. If it's not a medical treatment, what condition are we treating with oral appliance therapy? Obstructive sleep apnea. Which is a medical condition. Okay. Agree? Yes. <laughs> You're a very difficult witness here. So it's a medical condition um, that, you know, obstructive sleep apnea is when the throat shuts down when somebody is sleeping at night, which sounds and is uh, like a uh, compromised position, which is a problem. Um, so oral appliance therapy is applying, um, is, is, is using appliance that sits on the teeth to hold the airway open so somebody doesn't stop breathing. True? Okay. So therefore, it's a medical device being used to treat a medical condition. Uh, dental sleep medicine, I'll emphasize the medicine aspect of that, is my understanding is a training, um, a training uh, protocol and a evaluation uh, of those individuals for their ability to take care of this medical condition. And, and let me just sort of interject here is part of the wall that is up between the house of medicine and dentistry is there are many physicians who find it problematic that dentists are treating a medical condition. That, I'm not saying I do. I'm saying, again, I'm the messenger here. I'd say there are many physicians, um, most physicians. In fact, I'd say if I ask the question, is it appropriate for a dentist to be treating a medical condition? Um, many physicians would be, would say no. And I'm not, again, I'm, I'm the messenger. I'm just, does that? I, I would agree with what you just said. Okay. So, and, and, and so I just, then I'm, I'm going to come back to, you know, uh, the reservation here on what we were talking about before is I have, so when we're, when we are using oral appliance therapy, whether we're delivering an appliance or whether we're working with a dental sleep medicine colleague, I have a, I have a patient who has a medical condition in their throat that we are uh, using an appliance to hold that throat open when they're sleeping at night. And to now go back to the specific question, for those patients that do have specific dental issues um, that may impact their ability to tolerate an, an oral appliance, there is always the option in our hands to not use the appliance. So the only patients that we're going to put into an appliance are a patient that, for whatever reason, we are determining. There, there is that first check, because as we talked about before, Typically, and there are other options. We haven't talked about other options. We should. Uh, Inspire, I think, would be a nice uh, thing to talk about. But regardless, I'd say um, we, we have made the decision in collaboration with the patient between CPAP and oral appliance therapy. If somebody has questionable teeth, questionable, you know, whatever, um, we wouldn't put them, we wouldn't even move in that direction. There's no reason for us to. We just get them into, into a CPAP. So there's a pre-selected group of individuals that's moving into this, this sort of camp to begin with. And so to kind of go in that direction, we're not going to be messing around with folks who have uh, known obvious significant uh, dental issues that are going to get in, in their way. Because for those individuals, in my opinion, in our um, model, it'd be a relative contraindication. Let's just try them with CPAP and see where it goes. Let's say, now let's say they tried CPAP, it fails. Now we're looking at oral appliance therapy. Say we've got some teeth that are questionable, you know, what, you know whatever the exact setup is and say we, um, you know, we get them in, in oral appliance. Let's say, forget it, us, anybody, a dentist, anybody, we get them into an oral appliance that creates an issue with a tooth or their bite. Sure. That can happen. 
And that, ha- that can happen in anybody's hands, correct? Yeah, side effects are very common. It's very, Minor, it, but they're common. They're common, and, and they can be problematic. So, so how does Advent, with, without having a dentist there, how are you able to mitigate those side effects and manage them? Depends on what the specific side effect is, but generally speaking, if somebody is having an issue getting them out of there or having them stop using the appliance is one option. Um, if it's something where continuing an appliance makes sense, then it's working with their their general dentist to, to figure out what the right strategy is with that. Um, you know, and I guess just, I mean, sort of separate, but it's related, is the a person's airway is more important than their teeth. Period. End of sentence. Um, and and somebody and, and this is an important point, and I think people kind of gloss over this, but um, it's there's it's true, and and so there is a potential risk with anything that we do um, in medicine, in cl- in clinical medicine, including dentistry. So there, and, you know, everything has risks, and it's just a matter of evaluating those risks and determining whether it's appropriate. Now. 100% of folks ha- who have obstructive sleep apnea have a throat issue. There's one medical specialty that, um, you know, under under, whom's, uh, under whose domain uh, exists the throat, and that's ENT. So, you know, basically, you know, we are um, nose and throat specialists treating, treating a deadly throat condition with an appliance that sits in the mouth. And I don't mean to take it lightly. I'm not. I'm taking it dead seriously. And so at the end of the day, most of our patients, most of our patients who have obstructive of sleep apnea would like to be in an oral appliance and uh i'm going to do everything in my power and we're going to do everything in our power to get them there um and uh and that's what we've done and it's and 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 the the other reality in this day and age is that oral appliance therapy uh devices uh have come a long way and i think this is where you know i don't know how much we want to get into the into the real you know nuance yeah, but they, I mean, they've come a long way yeah, they, they have. And I was at the American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine meeting in Philadelphia mm-hmm. a few months ago. And at that meeting, Advent and you in particular were a recurring topic <laughs> of conversation. You, you dominated, you monopolized way too much of my weekend. You know? <laughs> Thanks. I wanted to go see the Rocky statue and instead I had to, had to oh, hear about man. Mother Candula. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of that discussion was um, generated by some of those device manufacturers. Mm -hmm. And then that flame was, you know, uh, the the oxygen was fed by a lot of the dentists. Mm -hmm. Some of them have been impacted directly or that they're in your markets and others have fear of, of an advent coming into their market. So there's, that's a whole other, whole nother can of worms to open up. And uh, we need an entire episode for that. So I'd, I'd, I'd really like to just pause now and I'll kumbaya with you next time. All right. We'll see you in Philly next time. Next time on Out of Breath. Again. Against your will is is is, is um, you know me reading that letter, but I, I do feel like for those who are listening and watching, um, without that context, it's sort of we're talking about something that it's hard to know what are they actually talking about.